Welcome to the Supercharge Your Startup podcast, just one of the ways the OVH Cloud Startup Program are connecting members with our network of exciting enablers and startups as part of our Fast Forward Accelerator. We're here to help accelerate your growth by sharing expert advice and insights from our ecosystem that will take your business to the next level. I'm your host, Juliet Otterburn-Hall, entrepreneur and startup consultant. In today's episode, we'll be discovering why you really need to be harnessing the power of industry analyst relations to supercharge your startup. We're delighted to be joined by OVH Cloud partner, Chris Holscher, founder of Holscher One, who the Institute for Industry Analyst Relations named amongst the top 10 experts in this field. It's great to have you with us, Chris. Thank you, Juliet. Uh, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. My first question to you is, what is IAR? IAR stands for Industry Analyst Relations, and IAR is often shortened to just AR. Analyst Relations is a function that helps companies in the B2B tech space who work with industry analysts. Why should I, as a startup, think about engaging with someone like you? Because industry analysts are the single most influential players in B2B technology. I can back that up with data because 75% of Fortune 500 CIOs, CTOs, say that publications and direct recommendations from industry analysts are the single most important factor in their shortlisting and buying decisions. And the same goes for important VCs or for investors in general or for M&A and all that. They all look to industry analysts to you know, advise their decision-making. And the reason for that is that business technology has become so complex and fast moving already 30 years ago, basically, uh, that decision makers, they demand expert guidance to de-risk their decision making, to identify unseen opportunity and also to speed up their game, basically. And startups are very familiar with these exact challenges, but they are often not familiar with the role of industry analysts in their market, at least not in Europe. So I, I think it's great that the OVH Cloud, the startup program, makes sure that your best startups do know about industry analyst relations as a function and that your folks do get access to important basics like we are sharing today. That's so interesting. What exactly are you offering them? I mean, how do you actually help startups accelerate their businesses? First of all, I help them assess whether analyst relations is actually relevant for them as a business, because it's not necessarily for everyone. You can broadly say it's it's relevant to qualify this if you're in the B2B technology space. So chances are pretty good there are analysts in the world that look exactly into your segment and know everything about that and advise buyers and investors and so on. But uh, first thing, I can qualify that uh, for a startup. Second is I can look who actually are the most influential industry analysts in that space, what are the publications, what's the playing field, essentially, and then also help them get access to these people, get access to their calendars, because an industry analyst has approximately 1,000 to 2,000 interactions with vendors and buyers per year. That's a single person, 1,000, 2,000 interactions with uh, such people doing briefings and inquiries and all that. So they are pretty packed with communication with even the existing vendors in the market. So you need to get into that, and I can help do that by connecting what they do to the research agenda of these analysts and make you relevant to them and get those 30 minutes of an introductory briefing. And then, of course, make sure that this one shot that you get actually hits the target and, and make sure that you, you get on their radar and that they want to continuously engage with you and regard you as a relevant addition to that field that they're researching. So how can IAR actually help startups accelerate their businesses? 
in short, startups are often great at, you know, at the problem solving side of things, product side. And IAR does two things. One, it helps to bring a lot of market insight into your team. So amend the product knowledge that you have with market insight. And secondly, if you work analyst relations well, it can help you stand on the shoulders of a giant like Gartner, Forrester or IDC to gain qualified visibility and stand out in the market, basically through, through some of those really respected impartial voices in the industry. And that is super important. Industry analyst relations can help you get to product market fit much quicker and it can thus shorten your time to market. It can amplify the impact of your best people, your best products, your best programs in the market. And maybe most importantly, it helps you to, to demonstrate a lot greater value to investors or to potential partners or to your clients and to de-risk their investment in your business versus others. That's really fascinating. And it's interesting that the US is already really aware of the benefits of using IAR. But where are we here in Europe in comparison? Well, I find that in, in Europe, we're often fascinated with, you know, how US players are moving so much quicker in the market. They are so much more effective in gaining market share and breakthrough contracts with large vendors. And we almost tend to accept that as some sort of magic that is happening. But it's not magic. It's not magic. They just, you know, are more aware of this part of the playing field. They use industry analysts to inform their decision-making, to inform their strategizing, their architecture and all that. So you need to be on those radars. So basically, it's a relatively simple thing for us in Europe to close that gap towards US players who are just more regularly known on that part of the playing field. If we only, you know, just do the same thing. And it's it's not necessarily rocket science. You need to understand how it works and you need that access and you need, need that expertise. But it's there's no magic involved why the US should be so much better than we. Does that then impact the way that US startups sort of get more investment quicker or get better deals? Do you think that this relationship, this understanding of the need for IAR factors into that? Absolutely. I mean, let, let me give you one example. A couple of years ago, I met a young company, a German company in the industrial IoT space, and they were really good at what they were doing. They even got highlighted by the biggest analyst firm in the world, by Gartner, in their Gartner Cool Vendor report, which is a startup-focused kind of report of which they publish, I believe, somewhere between 75 and 100 for all sorts of segments in the market every year. And they highlight just four or three or five um, notable vendors in that very space. So they got, you know, exceptionally lucky or, or fortunate, if you will, that they got highlighted in one of these reports, but they didn't know what to do with it. I mean, sure, they put it on their website and sure, they highlighted it in their, their, their newsletter and, and, and stuff, but they didn't know how to really strategically leverage it. So fast forward one year, one of their competitors from the US started one year later and got highlighted by Gartner in the very same report, just one year later, as a cool vendor in that very space. Now, apparently, they knew what to do with it. I don't know exactly what they did, but I did see that they got talked about by analysts. They got mentioned two years later on the Gartner Magic Quadrant, which is the gold standard for vendor reports in any technology field. And the Gartner Magic Quadrant highlights the top 10 to 15 vendors in, in a market. So that means that little startup from the U.S., got from, from being cool vendor to being featured on the Magic Quadrant within two years. And that really changed a whole lot. Not only did it mean that they surpassed the German company, the German company then started to work with me, playing catch up in that game. And, and we got them even onto a Gartner investor report a year later, which was great because it helped 
refresh attention from VCs. And a few months later, that startup secured 8 million in fresh money from PricewaterhouseCoopers for their business. However, we also found that the US startup who appeared on the Magic Quadrant in the meantime was at 40 million investment, although they started a year later. So that's what can happen. So for startup, it's, it's, it's all about the ability to make bolder decision faster, de-risk your offering to investors, customers, partners, whoever, and cut through the PR noise to get qualified visibility in the market for your game. I think that's a quite impressive example of the US versus European startups. It's not always the case. You know, there are uh, examples of European startups doing great job at analyst relations, but it's kind of symptomatic in general. And do you think there are some misconceptions around that startups have about using or getting involved with IAR? Yeah, um, the first and most fundamental misconception, I would say, is that people think it's a choice, like whether you run a marketing campaign or not. But fact is that in the B2B tech space, your customers, your investors, your competition are making the industry analyst market a multi-billion dollar market since decades already. And it takes place with or without you. And that is because you cannot not communicate. You know, if, if you don't brief analysts, that sends a message. It sends a message to them as analysts. It sends a message to anyone inquiring with them about your segment or you in particular, if they heard about you. And frankly, it also sends a message to more experienced talent who may, you know, make decisions where to work or not. So you cannot not communicate. And your competition sure does brief analysts, and that is the big firms and the more savvy emerging vendors as well. So it's it's not really a viable decision to say, well, no, I don't care about this because it, it means, you know, just ignoring an enormous part of where decisions are being made. So that's the first misconception I think is, is worth tidying up. Uh, the second one uh, I would say is that industry analyst relations is only for the big guys. Well, sure, SAP runs a team of more than 25 analyst relations people, or Oracle, more than 80. And I've been responsible for analyst relations with BT Global Services for, for 10 years. And we had five specialists just in the global center where I took care, among other things, of their innovation program. So that's how I got in contact with uh, startups. But one thing that I've heard from analysts over and over again is that they really want to speak more to the emerging vendors the true innovators in the markets. And those are the startups. And, and I heard that over and over again. The problem is that they cannot often cannot afford the time to speak to startups because startups rarely know of this part of the playing field. Or if they do, they may have misconceptions or they treat it in the wrong way. They treat it like marketing or they treat it like PR or they treat it like, um, you know, repurpose their sales presentation or repurpose their investor pitch or something. And that is just not useful for an analyst. They need a different quality of information. So at the end of the day, more often than not, analysts say, well, I would love to, but I, you know, I cannot make the time for it if I waste another 30 minutes or another 60 minutes with, with an emerging vendor who doesn't understand how to play. So that's, that is very important. Analysts want to speak to startups much earlier than startups uh, would think. And it's by no means something for the big firms only. I mean, if you um, inquire with an analyst about a certain technology, knowing what IBM does doesn't really cut the mustard. You, you need to know what the real innovators do. So you, startups are incredibly important for analysts. Now, the third misconception I would say is that um, industry analyst relations cost a lot of money. It sure can be expensive, 
if you let the analyst firms, you know, their sales troops take control of the process. And and we know that, I guess, from, from any scenario in our lives, you know, if you if you trust the salesperson, you go home with a very, very fancy sweater that you don't even recognize yourself in um, <laughs> if, if, you don't, if you're not careful. So, um, but if you take control and if you use solid industry analyst relations um, experience, first, you can do a lot for very affordable money. And second, you can make sure you don't blow one of your, you know, your one shot that you get with getting on an analyst radar. So it's not wasted time and money and you stay on the radar. And three, you get better deals once you engage, um, not only in briefings, but in bringing insights into your um, priorities as well. And fourth, maybe you, you get much better return on investment in, in general um, from your time and your financial investment with analyst firms when you get there at, at the appropriate time. So those are probably the four most fundamental misconceptions. So it sounds almost like it's a risk not to have an IAR when you're a startup. It's not something that's on their usual sort of table of essential elements to think about. But actually what you're saying here is it's actually a risk not to reach out and, and find the right IAR to, to get you started. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if, if you want to break into any B2B technology market, you need the most influential people on your side. If you ignore that, it's like, you know, only going to every third sales opportunity. You're ignoring an entire part of the playing field. And that is true even more so the more innovative your offering is. Because, I mean, like it or not, to, to a decision maker as a startup, you're not just that amazingly innovative, you know, bunch of young, energetic people. You're also a potential risk. Should they decide for you and things go south? You know the saying that nobody ever got, got fired for buying IBM. So basically, you need someone respected and impartial to help you get over that risk perception. And that is what an analyst can do for you. I mean, analysts are the first in the room when tech strategies and architectures are discussed by CTOs, CIOs, and, and their subject matter experts. And they're the last ones advising the decision makers to basically untangle the, the spaghetti of vendor claims in their pitches. They won't say buy that product, but without them positioning you as a viable option and independently you know, being profiled against uh, the buyer's needs, you have very little chance. So you'll always be a very good second place. And I know dozens of startups who've, you know, who've been proud of, yeah, we've progressed that far in the RFP cycle, but they always end up or almost always end up as a good second place. And that is just as being misused to challenge the, the pricing or challenge the thinking of the big vendor um, that the, uh, the buyer had already you know, decided for much earlier. And uh, you only overcome this by standing on the shoulders of a trusted giant like industry analysts. So which reports do startups need to get into to get noticed? Well, first of all, you don't even need to, to get into a report at all. One client of mine was able to use their analyst inquiry insights to make contact with just the right person at just the right time at one of the global mega players in technology. They created a meaningful discussion there because of what they learned in the analyst inquiry. They could use the credibility from their analyst engagement, you know, to say, well, we, we're discussing these topics with that and that person at Gardner or at Forrester and so on. So that gave them credibility and brought them in the game as a, as a relevant uh, voice. And voila, it got them access to literally hundreds of client projects without even going through any complex procurement processes, just because they were at the right 
point at the right time, you know, delivering the right message because they could qualify that earlier. So, and that was literally based on one or, or actually two analyst conversations in that case. And that's what can happen if you do analyst relations in a smart way and completely unrelated to ever appearing on any report. Now, however, to, to answer your question, um, there are specific reports for startups like uh, the Gartner Cool Vendor reports that, that outline some 75 to 100 different technology fields every year, or the Forrester New Wave report, or IDC's Innovators, or there are a bunch of these. They're very worth going after. And then there are technology reports. And the best known of these is probably the Gartner Hype Cycle, where technologies, new technologies are examined and positioned against their maturity and the market sentiment towards these technologies. Um, and these reports also feature example companies, which can often be startups. You can be perfect as a startup to exemplify you know, an offering in these spaces. In fact, I know that one of OBH Cloud startups that takes part in, in, the, in the accelerator program, a company called Neural Space, not only got highlighted as a Gartner Cool Vendor in one year, they also got featured as an example vendor in one of Gartner's uh, hype cycle reports. So brilliant opportunity. That's pure gold to leverage to go, going forward. And the last one uh, that I should mention is probably the um, investor reports with that comparison example with the US and European vendor. We got them into that investor report and and that really helped to shine a light on them and make them an interesting option to inquire deeper with the analysts then and, and uh, place investment. So it's not just about getting investment then, it's about getting clients, increasing visibility. There's an element of marketing that's going on. It's not just simply, we want to go and raise money. When you get to your investor stage, you need to start engaging. It's actually what you're saying is, as you're considering your go-to-market strategy, this needs to be formulated as part of that. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, the, the things that I mentioned now are the most visible ones, you know, the most, the, the shiny ones. You get fresh investment, you get a new client, you get a better partner, or you get a better deal in all of these scenarios because you've been qualified as a more solid, viable option in the market and the, you know, the, the hot thing. But I would say, although that is super visible, it's probably not even half of the value that you actually get. The bigger portion of the value is getting the right insights into your business, qualify your thinking, use the analyst as an extension to your brain, basically. You know, and it's not just one analyst. You, you know, I'm working with with uh, clients uh, in a Gartner subscription and in an IDC subscription and, and these kinds of things. And we are accessing, I would say, over the sum, maybe 20, 30 analysts covering their specific space, covering adjacent fields. And bringing all that insight into their decision-making, speeding up their, their development process, their go-to-market process, their reaching out to, to companies, to partners, anything. It's all about making bolder decision with more confidence, de-risked, basically, quicker than others. Because if you, if you think of it, you've probably heard that most innovation tends to pop up around the world at different places at roughly the same time. Because the problems are the same everywhere. And because technology is or the access to technology is roughly equal everywhere so innovation tends to pop up everywhere around the world at roughly the same time so if you're in that race you need to make the right decisions quicker and more consequently than all those other guys who are also smart and also highly energetic and they also have funding and they also have the right access and have connections and have you know all that you need to do this in a smarter way systematically, 
earlier and, and more consequently. And that's what people like me help with. You spoke about the reports and saying you don't necessarily have to be in the reports to get that sense of credibility. But if you did want to get into those kind of reports, how exactly would you go about getting highlighted and noticed? Well, first of all, it's important to understand you cannot buy this. There are black sheep in the market who claim they are industry analysts who will set up all sorts of reports and who will ensure or reach out to you to say, well, we think you'll be you know, leading on this report if only you invest this bit of money into us actually writing it. <laughs> so if you look at this carefully, that's not an industry analyst proposition. That's a marketing kind of agency proposition. I'm not, I'm not dissing it. You know, there is space in the world for this. It's, you know, kind of valid, but it's a different thing. It's, it's not an industry analyst proposition. And analyst relations professionals like myself help you protect your business from such offerings that try to appear something that they not really are. So I'm warning of these because you're buying something that you expect to do something else and, and it's not really what you hope for. And also the audience that you want to target with this probably knows these black sheep and they know they've seen these kind of reports because they're just, you know, swamping the market with it. And, and then you invest a whole lot of money and you don't get the effectiveness, you don't get the, uh, the results that you're hoping for and still you've wasted a whole lot of money on it. So we help protect you from that. So if you move these out of the way, your best way of getting onto a, a credible report is to first identify the right analysts that are actually covering your space and that are their research agenda is somewhat compatible with your thinking, with your where you want to take the market and your kind of offering with your vector that you're putting into this market as an innovation. So identify those ones, brief them with the right information that supports their research agenda in the right way, in the right language, with the right solid kind of information that actually is useful for them and do this repeatedly and yeah work your way you know not just be known to them but actually make sure that they build confidence in your offering but also in you as a business that you will exist in two years from now so they can put their reputation behind your name because that's all they have their reputation is the thing that is most valuable for them so they absolutely want to find the gold in the market They'll be very critical at, in looking at you and asking just the tough questions can be quite hurtful, but that can, again, be very informative for you and very supportive of your development journey. So they absolutely want to find the gold, but they absolutely must avoid false positives in order to protect their reputation as well. So this kind of setup is relatively unusual in a world where everything is for sale and their reputation is not for sale. If it is, if you're ever being asked to pay for a briefing, run away. If you're ever being pay, um, asked to pay for inclusion in a report, run away. So it's an it's a unusual positioning, but that's exactly what makes it so valuable as getting insights into the business, as also uh, why, why your, your, your customers are paying a lot of money for these reports and for inquiry rights and all that. So understanding this circular interaction and building your credibility, building their confidence in you as a business and your solutions on a regular basis in a systematic way. That's what gets you on to report in, in, in the midterm. Yes. So in terms of timing, is it a couple of months or a couple of years? That really depends on um, how, you know, how good your offering is and how dynamic your market really is. It might be that the analyst discovers 
These guys have the best thing since sliced bread. It's what I'm being asked about by my clients all the time. It's addressing a problem that everybody's inquiring about. Nobody has this you know, figured out, but they have. So that might bring you on to either report very quickly or, or at least they might use you in their direct interactions with customers inquiring about you. I've had that so many times when I was even with BT and we were using Alice inquiries to to look into who should we partner with. And they said, well, funny you ask, and interesting you're describing your, your architecture and your strategy in this way, because I've just been speaking to this company three weeks ago. They're new in this field. You may not know them, but they're addressing exactly what you're thinking about. So have a look at them. It, it's really worth looking into them. So that is happening all the time. That is how they are differentiating themselves as analysts against other analysts you know, to stand out and, and demonstrate that they know everything about that market. They know every vendor, they know every offering, they know every trend, every every nosedive that somebody had with their, you know, development. And so they're very, very knowledgeable about that. And that's how you differentiate. Brilliant. And, and in terms of when they do get mentioned, how do startups know how to really make full use of their increase in visibility? When you get mentioned on a report or you, you notice you get mentioned to in direct conversations from analysts, first of all, you continue the conversation with the analysts because now you know you've got your foot in the door in terms of somebody, you know, that, that really means you are relevant in this market. You don't just have a great idea, but somebody qualified you as noteworthy amongst dozens or hundreds of other players that you factually compete with. So that tells you, tells your partners, tells your investors, you have solid product market fit. So continue the conversation with the analyst and, and beyond the, the ones that you already know and who already like you. But um, now is the time to do that with, um, with others without, and without needing the money. You, know, you, 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 can, you now have an entry into that space because people will, will see that you're relevant to them because they, they might get, get asked about you. Secondly, now you've got that black on white proof of your product market fit and your actual leading relevance in that space. Now's the time to, to, to actually invest in inquiry rights and, and all this and drive that AR program. And it's, it's perfect if you can do that before Series A investment uh, because at Series A or Series B investment, AR will become a requirement for from series investors anyway. But if you start then, you're kind of late to the game because it takes some time to build that analyst awareness and to build that confidence and credibility. So VCs like Sierra Ventures or Crane Venture Partners, Sapphire, Andreessen Horowitz, you name it, they all recommend to start analyst relations early and strategically because the earlier the greater the effect for you in accelerating and de-risking your game. You know, that's that's your moment when you want to go all in and, and probably your investor will be, you know, will be saying, yeah, of course, let's use that money for this because now now's the time. Thanks so much, Chris, for your time. It's been really interesting talking to you. Excellent. Thank you for having me. Don't miss our next episode where I'll be chatting to an ex-professor of LLMs who's given up academia to follow his passion and create a leading LLM tech company. He'll be divulging why it's critical for startups to consider LLMs early if they want to scale. You've been listening to Supercharge Your Startup from OVH Cloud. 
were already providing data sovereign cloud solutions to 1.6 million customers worldwide. Whether you are a startup or a scale-up, we are with you every step of the way to accelerate your business with a specialist range of member initiatives. For more details about our startup program and to start your company journey onto our cloud today with up to 100,000 euros in free cloud credits and technical consultations, find us now at startup.ovhcloud.com. Your success is our success. Together, we're stronger and faster.